0: Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. Only one reporter in Fishers attends most city council and school board meetings in person on a regular basis. That would be me. Read about that and much more about Fishers by reading my news blog. Go to LarryInFishers.com and follow my Twitter account at LarryInFishers. Well, the political season is underway here in Fishers with some contested races for city council. My first candidate interview is with North Central District Councilman Eric Moler. He's the incumbent. I spoke with Councilman Moeller at the AV studio, located at the Ignite Space in the lower level of the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. The Ignite Space is made for artists. Anytime the library is open, Go to the Ignite space and any of the librarians there would be more than happy to provide you a tour. I spoke with Eric Moeller about his campaign for re-election during the evening of Wednesday, September 17th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. Uh, the Hamilton East Library is right near the municipal complex next to the police station. We're in the Ignite Space in the lower level of that library building. I'm with Eric Moeller. Eric is a candidate for re-election in the North Central District. For Fisher City Council. And Eric has been around a long time. You, you've, you're you finishing up a four-year term. You had a one-year term before that on the city council for the transition year from a town to a city. And you were appointed to fill in for a few months uh, when a counselor left town. So you've had experience all the way back to the town days. That's
1: right. It was uh, quickly breathing through uh, a fire hose for four months to, to learn how were to learn how to be on the town council, and then we completely shifted, and everything I had learned is was irrelevant irrele- on uh, January 1st of
0: 2015. The town form of government and the city form of government are very different, so yeah, that's true. You had a lot, but so did everybody else mm-hmm. who who transitioned from town to city. And, and
1: that month was also uh, a little uh, condensed, and and and. A, a whirl because our youngest son, our youngest child, <clears throat> Joshua, was born. That's right, September twenty fourth. So, mm-hmm. I think our first uh, town council meeting was just after Labor Day, and mm-hmm. then he came along. So it was it was crazy on a lot of fronts.
0: Now, I give you you have two of them, so that's mm-hmm. your second child, yep. and uh, our oldest is...
1: our oldest is uh, will be seven, and Joshua uh, Sophie will be seven, and Joshua will be five at the end of the month.
0: So you got one in school and one headed in that direction. Yeah,
1: first grade and pre K
0: talk a little bit about geographically where your district is located for people who might not be familiar with the district lines.
1: Yeah my, my district is the north Central district and and it, the geographic proximity is is well defined by its name but it's 121st Street north, Cumberland Road to the west uh, on the east the east boundary is Hoosier Road and then it jumps across the interstate and uh, across Billrickie and Fisher's High School to Maryland Road. And then uh, there's some caveats, but essentially it's 141st Street. There's a couple of neighborhoods that are residential north of 141st Street that are Fishers, but that goes back to the the divvying up between Nobles and Fishers back in the – People,
0: I have to remind people that 141st Street uh, border is not a straight line. It's Correct. just the history, like you said. And I was one of your constituents until my wife and I downsized. We're still in Fishers. Mm-hmm. but now We're not about five, ten minutes away from where I used to, right. to live, but I've now moved into another district. Well, town count, town councilors and, of course, city councilors, as you have been for several years now, are not as high-profile people as mayors, for instance, or school superintendent. So just for those who maybe you are not as familiar with, you spent two or three minutes uh, talking about yourself. You've already talked a little bit about your family. Just kind of share whatever you want your uh, potential voters to know.
1: Yeah, so I sp- spoke about my family a little bit. Um, married to uh, to my wife, Beth, and we've been married for a little over nine years. Uh, I've lived, lived and or worked in Fisher since... Uh, February 2005, and I work at Form Credit Union. I'm the assistant vice president of finance there, and <clears throat> what that pertains is to is basically financial reporting and <clears throat> analytics and things like that that the the credit union uh, needs for financial operations. I handle our our corporate investment portfolio, um, and so we've we've lived pretty much kind of in the same area of town uh, f- for the for the duration of Fisher's. I started out in some blessed departments while I was going to grad school, and uh, that uh, kind of encapsulates my time here in Fishers. I got uh, started kind of in the the political weeds, as it were, through the, at the time, the Town Government Academy. Uh, kind of ironically, the class that I was in is when um, Scott Fadness, now Mayor Fadness, was to pr- promoted to town manager. So through the half the, halfway through that program, you know, he was he somebody took his place as the facilitator of the program, and and he was off uh, doing bigger and better things in, in his new role.
0: Well, I'd just, I'd like you to just kind of answer this general question. We'll de- we'll uh, dig and drill down a little bit on some specific issues, but as far as you're concerned, just explain your basic approach to your job on the council. How do you approach that and the issues you see?
1: Yeah. So our our council purview is pretty limited, right? It's, you know, primarily zoning, land use, uh, budgetary, and then you know, the what we've been doing in Fishers the last four or five years is approving economic development deals. And and so with that, the scope is pretty limited but uh, each year on the council, I've tried to kind of have a new initiative uh, for myself and, and that has led to a lot of communication, a lot of meetings with district representatives. And um, and through those meetings, the I think we're going to see some, some strong outcomes for the city of Fishers. Uh, for example, one of the, the ordinances that we passed last night, which is the increased uh, speeding uh, when there's increasing the fines in neighborhoods. Um, that was a di- direct result of conversations with uh, district HOA leaders and, and matching those conversations with folks in, like, David's district, et cetera.
0: David uh, George. Yeah,
1: David mm-hmm. George. And and kind of attaching these broader themes through uh, just engaging conversations. And, you know, it started out by like going to HOA meetings, annual meetings.
0: Homeowners associations.
1: Homeowners association meetings, meeting with uh, um, the the boards you know finding out what their issues are and and all of a sudden, you know the like I said before these broader themes start connecting, and then you are able to start trying to solve the, some of these problems that affect everyone um, but you know when you're having those initial conversations, they think it's just them, mm-hmm. and so by bringing these uh, having these broader meetings. Uh, you, they can they can exchange contact information and and run through scenarios and hey I've I've experienced this what did you do when when you experienced that, um, but so so that's one thing and then uh, with the, the speeding violations but the the thing that's coming probably pretty soon is. Uh, what, what I call and I think what um, Tony and Leah McGrath are calling are neighborhood vibrancy programs.
0: That's Tony Bugato in charge of planning and zoning.
1: Correct. And initially, um, you know, we, we've just been incrementally increasing the dollars associated with that. But I think uh, this year uh, in this budget for 2020, um, we're, we're going to kind of revamp the program. Not only is there going to be 25000 additional dollars. Uh, in the in the neighborhood matching grants, but we're really excited about uh, some possibilities of city and HOA partners. Uh, for example, um, the city can be used as an RFP for multiple neighborhoods opting into whether it's sidewalk repair or mulch. And or that's a
0: request for proposals to make sure you have grids and so forth. That will help the HOAs by yeah. sort of having the city con- put everything together. Yeah. yeah.
1: So taking advantage of purchasing power economies yeah. of scale and, and really trying to increase the value to neighborhoods and, you know, particularly – you know you're seeing this maintenance creep coming from the west side to the east side mm-hmm. and again going back to these conversations with HOA members in the district starting to hear more and more of that and it's you know you start thinking well how can we solve it money's not always the answer because as we, t- we saw last night with our budget presentation you know going through all of the the revenues and expenditures we only had you know less than 200,000 mm-hmm. on the on the positive <clears throat> but what we can really do is use the uh the assets that the city has like the RFPs that we talked about the the bulk purchasing power things like that
0: one thing i i find interesting is that uh, and this is true of most city councils in indiana you have a mix of, of at large and district representatives there are nine members of the fisher city council of which three are at large the rest uh, are within districts here's is the north central district to what extent do you feel you have a responsibility to your constituents in your specific district as opposed to making decisions that would impact the entire city?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good one because I think early on, um, you know, road, road maintenance, for example, you know, in a lot of communities, that's a, that's a political fight, right? You know, it's, hey, you've got X amount of dollars for roads last year. Now it's my it's it's my district's turn to clean up. You know you see this all the time at the federal level, um, you know in the in the pork projects, but I think you know given the the geographic tightness of Fishers, you know if there's an issue on Allisonville, a lot of the North Central District residents are going to feel that, mm-hmm. um, and so you know getting back to the specific example of roads, mm-hmm. there's. There's called a, a, a PASER formula, and it's just this data-driven uh, that the, the the public works and the engineering department use, and we just, every year, there's a top 10 list, and <clears throat> going through the budget process, we try to grab as many of those road repairs as we can, and uh, if you keep doing that consistently, uh, those road repairs w- will be occurred all across the city.
0: Let me drill down into some specific issues that uh, that i 've seen the council deal with. One of them is housing and, and what I have found is that there 's been a lot of discussion among city government officials, members of the council, the mayor, pointing out that you you start to get to a certain price point in your housing market and housing you know, development and, and when you get to the point where it 's difficult or and impossible for a teacher teaching in your Uh, city or uh, a police officer, fire department, firefighter, or just any public employee when they can no longer afford to live in the community in which they serve, that's when you start to have issues. And there are other issues like the yard, this huge restaurant complex, mostly restaurants or other things, but they're going to have to employ people who 'll we'll have difficulty finding a price point, and public transportation, which we 'll get to later is is also an issue so it it seems to me that I see a lot of discussion or recognition of the problem. The real issue here is the number of solutions are difficult as well. How do you see the housing issue and and how would you look at that in as- in another term mm-hmm. reelected
1: <clears throat> yeah that 's that 's one that we 've been beating around internally for 24, 28 months now, if not longer. And, you know, this is something I I think to your point, it's, it's becoming more and more of uh, a need within the community to your point for um, just so the city can say we have housing options available for all income levels. Right. I think, I think that's important. Um, And, because we're attracting jobs of various various types you know we've got the yard which will be heavily serviced, and you know we've got first internet bank getting ready to build their headquarters <clears throat> those are different ends of the the economic spectrum so i think to your point it, we we should uh, have the ability to be to have housing options for all income levels <clears throat> and as you as you know uh was it earlier this year late last year we approved a development um, and the developer did not receive the tax credits from the state to make their, their pro forma and their, uh, their ROI possible. Um, and then on the other hand, we've, uh, approved, uh, a senior community that had part of it that was, um, rent fixed, um, non-market bearing pr- uh, rent pricing. So, uh, I think the solutions are few and the need is starting to bubble up and, um, and become more apparent and, you know, whether you call it workforce housing or attainable housing or or whatever you call it, there's a lot of different names for it. Uh, And and this first came on my radar when uh, I visited a a business off 121st street and the CEO, met with the CEO and, you know, that was kind of his first concern. And, you know, what, what, what's the city doing about more attainable housing And his point was, I've got several job open positions, um, but I'm having trouble getting people here or, you know, various other reasons. But we kind of circled back to that housing point. Um, And and I think through the next term, uh, you know, we talked about it at a council meeting a couple months ago that we're going to continue to look at the available options and, and work with the proposals that come in from the, the private developers and, Uh, work with our partners at the state and and try to see a project through.
0: Because I know that the credits that the developer was competing for, uh, there's only so many credit Mm -hmm. packages available around the state. You're competing with every community in the state that wants a low-income housing project, which is – the only way you could possibly fund it is through a tax credit program. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're at market rate, that makes it uh, difficult. So, the, so what I'm hearing you say is that you're looking at all solutions, but it's not an easy fix. Is yeah. that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, and and this has come up, you know, with Rich and I at our council connect meetings, uh, we, and we've talked about it there. But uh, I I wouldn't, I don't want to speak for all the council members on this, but we've uh, we've approved a project before. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't see, you know, as as we would not approve one again given the right economic parameters and location and everything that goes into a development but um yeah all all solutions uh in my eye are on the table and we just have to find the right one that fits all parties involved
0: i mentioned public transportation because that's the other side of the corner you're trying to bring people to Mm -hmm. fishers to work And, and i know the mayor wants more employment here Higher wage if possible, but they're not all going to be that way. So, um, you know, the, the public transportation actually existed here when there was a major road project going on between here and downtown Indianapolis. It was subsidized. It was popular. Plus, gas prices were high at the time. Then the, there was a private sector attempt. And again, gas prices were lower then and uh, they were uh, charging what it cost or with a little profit in there and that just didn't work out mm-hmm. so that was that was uh, stopped and i've heard the mayor talk about some of the high-tech issues you know for instance uh, the, the solution would be finding some deal with uber or lyft to get people around uh i don't know about you i look at uber and lyft and, and they haven't even come close to making money yet. People are really excited about them, but you wonder what the future is going to be. They haven't found a way to make it profitable yet. So with that as a precursor, what do you look at in public transportation? Is that in Fisher's future? And if so, what? how do you see it?
1: Yeah, I think there's two different answers to that question, right? So first of all, if we're talking about commuter-based transportation, getting Hamilton County or Fisher's residents to – some other community for a job. Uh, that That's going to go right into what uh, Mayor Fadden said at his State of the City, regionalism. Mm-hmm. Fishers is not going to turn the corner on uh, what I would call commuter transit by itself. You know, it'll take multi-jurisdictions, uh, prominently Indianapolis, Marion County, and the surrounding Donut Counties, probably to come up with a comprehensive solution where all the entities are bought in and, you know, there's probably some sort of um, revenue line associated with that. Now, that's that's a completely different thing than intra-city transportation. I, I can foresee a day when technology, so autonomous vehicles, <clears throat> provides that solution. And um, I don't think the city alone could invest in what would I again call a commuter-type transportation system? Uh, in the, I would I don't. How do you even fair to guess a price tag on that? Hundreds of millions of dollars, <clears throat> when uh, when if we're just looking at an intra-city transportation system, that uh, I think either technology um, or some other uh, something that we're we're thinking about mass transit as buses and and and, and trains and subways, that's not going to be the appropriate answer for what what would be intra-city transit. Um, but I, I think we will be hopefully hearing more about some possible solutions outside of Uber and Lyft here, okay. um, either before the end of the year or early next year.
0: One reason I mentioned that is I just recently recorded a podcast with some local people involved with AARP, which is the retired person's... Uh, A Nonprofit Association, and uh, one of the volunteers mentioned to me that they have done several local surveys, and this is 50 and up for them. And the ability to get around the transportation issue and the large issue is a concern Mm -hmm. to people in fishers, and I was a little surprised to hear that.
1: Yeah, I think it not only impacts uh, the seniors in our community, but I think it also impacts those with uh, special needs. So I've got two of those businesses in, in the North Central District: uh, Baca Behavioral Analysis Center for Autism and OPG Opportunities for Positive Growth. They're both very involved in the the, the, the disability awareness committee, um, but uh, particularly uh, those two. You know, I've I've had constant com- talks with them over the past. Uh, let's say two and a half to three years about transportation needs just for that group alone. And, and particularly when it comes to, uh, I think I read this, this morning that Hamilton County or Fisher specifically has like a 2.7% unemployment rate mm-hmm. and getting those folks um, that are graduating out of the high school program into, into jobs. And there's, there's a transportation need with, with that community as well.
0: You already alluded to the fact that there was a budget presentation, a public hearing, and straight, there, were, there were no public comments on the budget. Correct. There was on another issue, which is tied into my question here, because you know sometimes when you're, you're going to make tough decisions, when you are uh, you know, an a elected official, and there were two things I think I came away with with the presentation the mayor made. One is that uh, he's proposing a two-cent tax rate. Increase a one-year increase for 2020 to fund some road projects, rather than bond them and go into debt for them. He also supported the the 911 tax, which is one-tenth of one percent increase, I believe, in the in the county tax, which would fund 911 service through everybody living in the county, essentially that had any income. But it, it, they are tax increases, whatever the size and whatever the duration of them. And the mayor made another point when that was criticized. And he was saying, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to have a tax increase, but I want to make sure I get value for whatever the taxpayers are paying. And he also showed a chart showing that Fishers has one of the lowest tax rates of any city its size in the state. And Second with, lowest, yeah. Within Hamilton County, I think the only lower one is what Cicero, yes. I believe. We're lower. Uh, we living here are paying lower tax rates for the city part of the tax uh, computation. So I guess the question is: Would you look at a situation like that—a tough vote? Well, you've got to vote a tax increase. How do you evaluate that, and how do you explain that to your constituents?
1: I, I think it's with great care. Um, I can speak for myself on this, and and I think broadly, it's with great care that we consider any kind of um, fee or tax increase to the residents. <clears throat> and it's not easy. Like you said, you know, the the kind of the initial proposal of the budget was, you know, a point zero zero two, I think less, it was a fraction of a penny. And, uh, you know, the mayor Fadness during one of the finance committee meetings said, well, you know, there's really two big road projects that we've been putting on the back burner for a long, long time. And that's Technology Drive, mm-hmm. which is by Best Choice Fieldhouse and goes back by the IoT Lab and yep. Launch Fishers mm-hmm. and DeVoe Gymnastics mm-hmm. and <clears throat> several of Lots of, of them.
0: traffic there, yeah.
1: Lots of yeah. traffic, lots of businesses that need need quality. And, and Burberry, which um, I think we talked about it last night, mm-hmm. phase one of Burberry – Re- concrete replacement was six years ago, or something like that, and there was just never any follow up. And so, I guess I would, my, the, the case I would make is that is it more right or to continue to kick these needs down the road, proverbially? And these costs for road maintenance, things of that nature, are going up four to six percent a year, if not more. And so if we kick, that, kick the can you know, another four or six years, as is the case with Burberry, <clears throat> those costs are going to be significantly higher than if they are today. And I know we aren't uh, bonding for this particular situation, but we have bonded for roads previously um, with some – with associated tax increases and – the opportunity we have to borrow now at historically low interest rates with our triple-A bond rating on top of that, you know, we we would never have an opportunity again, most likely, when you look at the history of interest rates, to fund these road projects at a total cost to residents lower than they are over the past five, six, seven years as we have we as we shuffled through the great the Great Recession. And so it's just it's just an opportunity to cost, and, and you know the mayor and and the, the council, in, in by and large, an agreement have just said we're going to try to do the hard thing and take care of all these projects now. And yes, that requires a bit of a, a tax increase here and there, some fee increases here and there. Um, but I'm, you know, quite frankly, I'm I'm proud of the council and that that we've continued to have that approach through different seasons of. Of uh you know trial um, and and campaign seasons and whatnot, but I think our our motto is we're we're going to continue to take care of and find solutions for these problems that have kind of been outstanding for a while.
0: Staying with financial uh you had some votes also in the most recent council meeting in several where you uh, are considering incentive programs for the private sector, mostly they come in the form of a tax abatement on property tax or and or a TIF or tax increment financing, and those are incentive programs for private sector development there 's been a lot of controversy about that I know you 've supported these incentives for the most part with sure. only a few exceptions. so tell me how you evaluate that because i 'm sure you know, the council has to approve these how do you how do you evaluate these issues when they come before you
1: yeah, so you know prior to what 2010? The Fisher's tax base was primarily and largely residential, and the and we saw some really negative. If we went back to you know the pre 2007 budget and like the post 2010 budget, I mean the fish the Fisher's municipal budget was heavily dependent on housing appraisals and the the tremendous effect of the the Great Recession had in on on housing. So I think our pro-commercial growth policies have been first and foremost primarily to diversify the tax base because you're getting, um, you know, with the tax cap, you're getting a higher property tax plus the personal property tax plus, you know, your income tax distribution through the state and then through the county. And so really we just have this vision of, you know, Right now, it it's, has been concentrated downtown, but there's, you know, been things going on 106th Street, but just building, uh, you know, what's kind of been repeated often, that smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial city. And and that that's required, uh, you know, some investments through, you know, whether it's parking garages or some tax abatements. And, you know, one thing, uh, I think it was last month at the farmer's market, S- counselor Cecilia Coble and I were talking to some residents mm-hmm. and, Kind of the same conversation got brought up, and what what I kind of referred to is, um, you know, twenty one thousand people out of the ninety thousand residents of Fishers are K through twelve, and that's not a third; it's more like twenty five percent. So twenty five percent of our population is K through twelve. So not only are we trying to build a vibrant, uh, you know, tax tax-based diverse every, all those other adjectives that you want to throw in but we're also trying to build a culture long term so when those students go off to college or to trade school or to travel that they're going to come back and they're going to have you know quality infrastructure to come back to they're going to have job opportunities because uh, you know we've we've talked about this at the council level i think that these trends are pretty pretty firm across the board People are choosing to where where they live, want to live, and then finding a job, and that's completely 180 of what it used to be. It was find job, find house, or find find living quarters, and um, and I think you know with the with the Money Magazine ranking this year and the one in 2017, I think we're doing really well on that places to live dynamic, and now we we want to give people employment opportunities and various jobs to to uh, match that entrepreneurial spirit that the, the Fisher's motto has. Um, but, but there's also quality of life um, components too, right? Um, not spending two hours of your life on I-69 or 465. It's commuting 15 minutes to Nickel Plate District or to Saxony or whatnot and having more time with friends and family on – matching the vibrant side of that of that uh, three-part equation.
0: But out of time already, uh, just uh, I'll, I'll wrap this up as I do every candidate interview I do. Let's just imagine I'm one of your constituents. We're sitting here talking, and I ask you the question, Eric, uh, I've been listening to you. Just give me the, your short speech, why I should vote for you for another four-year term on the Fisher City Council.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we we have the team in place to continue to – make fishers into that far, smart vibrant and entrepreneurial city that I, that I was discussing and you know from a north central district perspective you know we've got uh, we're on the cusp of aging roads and and aging, aging neighborhoods and i want to continue to put policies and uh, opportunities in place that neighborhoods hoas residents uh, can take advantage of in making their slice of having their slice of fishers the best it can be and um you know, in the next four years, I think the North Central District uh, will probably have more needs and more uh, city uh, help coming their way through road, road paving and, and things like that. And so I want to be there to help usher uh, residents through and businesses and, and HOAs and, uh, and get uh, get all those things accomplished.
0: Eric Moeller has been a member of the Fisher City Council for about five years, a few months of uh, town council experience, looking for another four-year term in the upcoming election. Eric, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Larry. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. An election campaign is underway for seats on the Fisher City Council to keep track of what's happening in the campaigns, visit my local news website regularly, www.LarryInFishers.com. Also, follow my Twitter account, at LarryInFishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.